The inclusion of students with disabilities in regular classrooms is increasingly common in American education, with more than 60% now spending at least 80% of their school day in a regular classroom. Many assume that this is an unambiguously positive development, that exposing these students to the general education curriculum will enhance their academic progress. But what does research really say about inclusion's effects on students with disabilities? And how does inclusion influence their teachers and peers? Is it possible that the preference for inclusion within federal policy on special education is too strong? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Allison Gilmore, assistant professor of special education at Temple University, and the author of the new article, Has Inclusion Gone Too Far?, that will appear in the fall 2018 issue of the journal and is available at educationnext.org. Allie, welcome to the Ednext podcast. Hi, Marty. Thanks so much for having me. Now, your article voices concern about how well we're serving students with disabilities and goes on to challenge one of the basic assumptions about special education embedded into federal policy. But let's start on a positive note. What does special education policy in the U.S. get right? So I think special education policy in the United States actually gets a lot right. So first, the focus on educating students with disabilities in general education and increasing access to the general education curriculum is really an important goal. It ensures that students aren't being unnecessarily excluded and being educated in restrictive environments. We have a terrible history of how we've educated students with disabilities in the U.S., so I think that's really important. Um, the second part of IDA that I think is amazing is the right to an appropriate education. This is how students access the general education curriculum, by having these appropriate educational services. Finally, IDA focuses on individualization. So students with disabilities have significant learning needs. What is generally effective for most students isn't effective for them by definition. So when we focus on individualization, we ensure that students with disabilities get the appropriate educational services they need to make progress in general education. So I think IDEA has it right. We want to focus on how we get students with disabilities to do better, and that's through an appropriate individualized education. And we should make clear that when you refer to IDEA, that's the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, the federal law governing special education policy. And one of your points is that within that law, there's a strong presumption that students with disabilities should be educated in inclusive settings, defined as spending 80% or more of their time in a general education classroom whenever that's possible. And you suggest that those charged with making these individual decisions about where a given child will be educated may be unduly influenced by that presumption. So what is it about IDEA or how it's implemented that creates this perhaps bias towards inclusion? Right. So I would say it's not necessarily a bias, but it's a preference. Um, And this preference clearly comes out of the history of not educating students with disabilities in their neighborhood schools and classrooms. So an original goal of IDEA was to get students in neighborhood schools being educated alongside their peers. So uh, throughout the law, they talk about how we need students with disabilities to be in general education unless they can't make progress in that setting without supplemental aids and services. But at the same time, 
schools are supposed to be providing appropriate services. And so that's kind of hard for schools to interpret. So the preference is general education, but we also need to provide an appropriate education. And it's unclear really what that means. Additionally, if you, you know, log into the National Center for Education Statistics website and you type in students with disabilities, um, the data that comes up, what's often highlighted in reports, is information on locations rather than students' outcomes. And that reinforces the idea that we're focused on where students are educated rather than uh, the services they're receiving and their outcomes, which is really the way we can measure access to the general education classroom. So while the goal is we don't want to unduly exclude these students, um, and my feeling is that many schools may sort of err on the side of caution. The law shows a preference for general education. So we're going to try to put students in general education settings as much as possible, while maybe not always meeting the requirements of that appropriate education piece. So the assumption that is embedded within the policy then seems to be that including students with disabilities in regular classrooms is a good thing because it will give them exposure to grade level general education curriculum. What's wrong with that logic? So the big problem there is that exposure isn't the same thing as access. Having a student sitting in a room uh, with general education peers being instructed by a general education teacher, that might be exposure to the general education curriculum, but without appropriate and often individualized or intensive services, students with disabilities may not actually access that information. So to access, they might need more intensive intervention and supplemental instruction to ensure that they're actually making progress in the general education curriculum rather than just being to the general education curriculum. And what evidence do we have that many students are being exposed but not actually gaining access? Yeah, so if we look at the outcome data of students with disabilities in the U.S., it's um, pretty depressing. A recent meta-analysis I conducted with Doug Fuchs and Joe Webby, um, we looked at lots of different studies that compared the reading achievement of students with disabilities to their peers without disabilities. And we found an average of achievement gap of 1.2 standard deviations, which is nearly three years of reading achievement. So that's pretty poor. Uh, if we look at math, uh, students with disabilities on the fourth grade math mate only 11% score at the proficient or above cutoff versus 44% of their peers. So we might have students in general education classrooms, but the outcome data um, really brings to question, are these students accessing the general education curriculum if their outcomes are just so poor? At the same time, as you acknowledge in the article, there is lots of data suggesting that among students with disabilities, those who are in inclusive settings have better outcomes than those who are not. And in a response to your article that's also available at the journal website, Tom Hare and Laura Shifter suggest that these data really reinforce the value of inclusion, the sort of rationale for the preference for inclusion in federal policy. In your view, why isn't that evidence convincing with respect to the benefits of inclusion? Right. So 
The, the big problem there is many people uh, interpret the research that says students with disabilities who are educated in general education classrooms have better outcomes as being educated in a general education classroom causes better outcomes. And we really can't say that um, primarily because of concerns about selection bias. So when we talk about where students with disabilities receive services, it is a decision made by an IEP team based on all kinds of variables that we don't have uh, information on in our data sets that we use to study the association between where students are educated and their outcomes. So what ends up happening is the higher performing students with disabilities or those that are going to perform better are educated more often in general education settings or spend more time in general education, while their peers who may be lower performing uh, for reasons that we're not capturing in our data sets, such as maybe behavioral needs, are being educated in the general education classroom for less time. So we're kind of comparing apples to oranges because the higher performing students with disabilities are the ones spending more time in general education. So this research really does clearly show the students with disabilities who are educated in general education do better than their peers who are uh, educated in more restrictive environments. Um, but there's some problems with this because first, when you look at the data, the students with disabilities who are being in gen ed, while doing better than their peers who aren't in gen ed, are still performing at much lower letter levels than peers without disabilities. So they're still not having great outcomes. Um, and then second, we just can't say that the placement really led to better outcomes. So moving a student to general education may not actually result in better outcomes for that student. Now, beyond the outcomes for students with disabilities in different types of settings, you also argue that we need to be studying the effects that inclusion has on non-disabled students and teachers. You argue that researchers should take what you refer to as an ecological approach to studying placement in special education. Why is that important, and what have we learned from those early studies that have addressed those questions? Yeah, so I think there has been a tendency to think about special education and students with disabilities as these separate kind of entities, when in reality schools are systems. And so when we treat or work on improving things for individual groups focusing, for example, only on students with disabilities or only on special education teachers, we likely aren't going to see widespread change in outcomes. So a good example of an approach that is really focused on the system is school-wide positive behavior support. So rather than just providing support to the students with behavioral needs, we create school systems that are able to support the needs of all students. So when we think about special education as separate and not integrated into the school system, um, it's just unlikely to result in widespread change. But studying uh, how students with disabilities impact their peers or teachers and vice versa um, is rarely done. And so there's emerging evidence, mostly from work that's been done with the Eccles K, that having students with disabilities um, in classrooms, particularly those with behavior disorders, may be associated with uh, lower academic and behavioral outcomes 
for their peers without disabilities. Newer work looking at teachers, um, so some work that I've done suggests that when teachers without special education certification have more students with disabilities in their classrooms, they're at higher risk for uh, turnover. Other research suggests that when teachers have more students with disabilities in their class, they tend to decrease instructional time. And again, both of those uh, studies really have found the biggest impacts when you look at students with behavior disorders. Again, this is all correlational. It's not causal at all. But it does seem to suggest that if we're not thinking about the general education teachers and the peers of students with disabilities, that we're really not taking into account all the actors that make inclusion successful. So my reading of the um, more current research is that we have a lot of work to do to ensure that inclusion is successful for teachers and peers and students with disabilities. If we just focus on one group, we're really unlikely to move the needle on the outcomes for students with disabilities. Now, I can imagine that some people would respond to that evidence of potential adverse effects on peers and teachers by saying, well, that doesn't mean we should abandon inclusion. That means we need to do it better. Uh, and you know, in their critique of your piece, Tom Hare and Laura Schefter suggest that the right question to ask is not whether inclusion has gone too far, but rather how can we improve inclusive education? Um, in your view, what's wrong with that critique? So I agree with them. The focus should be on how do we improve uh, special education and inclusion. But I don't think that we can figure out how to improve the system if we don't know what's going on. Um, so it's kind of shocking to think special education is such a big, expensive part of the American education system and the current sort of service delivery model of inclusion is so promoted and widespread, yet we have such little research on it. So I'm unsure that we can make inclusion better if we don't actually know what's going on right now. We need to figure out what is working, what looks like might be problem areas, and then use that information to really create systems that help with the implementation of practices that we know work for, for students with disabilities and their peers. At the end of the day, how do you answer the question posed by your article's title? Has inclusion gone too far? No. But I will say that we have not gone far enough with supporting the implementation of IDEA to ensure that students with disabilities are receiving the educational supports and interventions that they need to succeed. So has inclusion gone too far? I think inclusion is the goal, but we have to think critically about it to make sure that students are getting the appropriate and individualized uh, services they need to ensure that they're actually accessing the general education curriculum. My guest today has been Allison Gilmore, Assistant Professor of Special Education at Temple University and author of Has Inclusion Gone Too Far? Available now at educationnext.org. Allie, thanks for being part of the podcast. Thank you so much, Marty. You've been listening to the Ednext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to check out our archive and, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review.
It helps us find more listeners and more listeners find us.